Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bikini Podcast. This is episode number 54. And today we're going to do a question and answer episode. And I'm going to go through answers or questions, I should say, that have been submitted through Instagram land. So I was really looking forward to getting back into the podcast game, but unfortunately I caught COVID and it hit me pretty damn hard. So, you know, it took a little while to recover, had to do two weeks isolation. It is what it is. Then after that, I had sort of lingering symptoms. The cough wouldn't go away, sore throat, but the sore throat was sort of throwing off my voice box. So I, I didn't sound like me. So now that I sound like me, I'm feeling you know, 100% recovered. I'm good to go. So we're back to podcasting. So I might as well actually get to the first question, which was everything about your COVID experience, the good, the bad, the ugly. So I would first and foremost, I would say the best part about having COVID is the fact that I do not need to be vaccinated. And that's obviously a personal decision. You, If you've got the doctor that is happy to do it, it's at the doctor's discretion. It's not a legal requirement. Every doctor has the opportunity to you know, give an exemption. Whether they do it or not is another thing, but I've been given a six-month exemption. So I would say the best thing about COVID would be the fact that I have a six-month ex- exemption. And also, I wanted to touch on some things that people will probably Maybe people, some people will appreciate, some people won't, but this is my personal opinion. Obviously, I've said some really interesting things on this podcast before, and I'm about to right now. A mandation by the government to get a medical procedure for you to buy lunch is fucking insane. I don't understand why anyone doesn't really look at it like that. So a medical procedure is required by the government for you to buy fucking lunch these days. Now, I want to quickly say that if you choose to do it, I don't care what you choose to do. I'm not going to pretend that I'm a doctor. I'm not going to pretend that I know the secrets of the universe, but I will stand up and say, fuck the government. If you feel, and if really you're, you are obligated to get a permanent medical procedure. And if you don't, you can't work, you can't eat, you can't go to the movies, you can't go to the bar, you can't go to the gym, you're locked out. And then on top of that, we've got a vaccine coming out again. So the booster shot's coming. It's a new vaccine after six months. There is basically no immunity from the shot after six months, which is a big lol. Isn't isn't anyone really just thinking what the fuck's going on? I know that a lot of you are saying what the fuck's going on, but I'm just going to say, obviously, my opinion. There is a real problem if it's unscientific because publicly the media is not recognizing natural immunity from previous infection. And this is something that I came across. I didn't even know that I could get an exemption from the doctor. I had to do my research and I knew that I had to go to the right doctor. There's certain doctors that will allow it. It's at their discretion and some aren't. It's frowned upon. Apparently, some doctors even get audited for the amount of exemptions that they give out. Isn't that quite interesting? So for the people out there that don't know, because you haven't gone through the process, if you have a real infection from COVID, so you have a real COVID infection, you you test positive, you Once you recover, you actually have a more robust natural immunity. Now, what does that mean? It's been shown by a study in Israel. And now the study that Israel, it's not some shonky study. There was 2.5 million people that were included in this study. Now, the interesting part is that this study showed that you have between 6 to 13 times better immunity than someone that has been double vaccinated. So I'm going to say this again. If you have had COVID, aka Troy, I actually have right now, this is probably a better way to put it. I have six to 13 times better immunity than someone that's been double vaccinated right now. So someone actually asked me on Instagram land before, I was like, oh, you know, you've obviously had these terrible symptoms. Are you going to get vaccinated? And right now the answer is no, because 
boom, I have six to 13 times more immunity than someone that's double vaccinated. Does that mean that I won't get vaccinated in the future? That doesn't mean that at all. But really what this means is that natural immunity is something that needs to be discussed. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a hashtag that is banned on Instagram, for example. There is no discussion of natural immunity with the chief health officer. So when you have those pandemic, uh, so in Australia, for any international listeners, we've got these pandemic updates, kind of like what they had in the States when Trump was talking about, and there was, there was a press conference briefing. And there's no discussion about natural immunity. It's something that's not talked about. It's something that the doctors don't generally offer unless you ask them for it. There was this big, big push to get the vaccine, and there was no discussion about natural immunity. So I find that fascinating. And I find that fascinating that this study in Israel hasn't been spoken about or isn't spoken about unless you do your independent research. What I find really interesting is that the government pretends like it's difficult to measure antibodies. So you technically don't need to have a positive COVID test to work out if you've had COVID. You can actually get a blood test, which is easily done by pathology. Go to the doctor, say, I want an antibody test. They can prove, you know, without question, whether or not you've had COVID, whether or not you have the antibodies. And again, this procedure is is not recommended. It's not encouraged. It's not spoken about unless... You've had someone that has done their research that's going to say, hey, listen, you can actually get an antibody test. Hey, listen, if you've had COVID, you actually don't need the vaccination because you will, you can get a, a doctor's medical exemption for six months. And that doesn't mean that after six months, you can't get an antibody test because we actually don't know. And correct me if I'm wrong, the studies out there, but we don't know, to my knowledge, that their antibodies don't last for longer than six months. They could last. Imagine if they could last up to eight, 10, 12 months. To my knowledge, we don't know. I think that the fact that they and when I say they, the government, you know, when I say medical practitioners as well, because they include, they're including the they, the fact that they are ignoring natural immunity and it's obviously censored on Instagram land, it's censored on social media by big tech, or they pretend it's impossible to check for a natural immunity is a crime, right? And oh, if you ask a doctor, then oh, you can have a medical exemption uh, for for a vaccination that you really that you probably don't need if you've had COVID. And before I get into the other questions that I have, uh, I found what, what I found really interesting was what's going on in the United States at the moment. In, so in the USA, over 1 million people have crossed the southern border into the United States without a mandated vaccine requirement. Now, this isn't the same for frontline workers. You've got nurses, you've got firemen, you've got doctors, you've got police officers who are all forced to have a medical procedure. But the southern border is a floodgate for, with freely unvaccinated people. All these frontline workers who have been fired from their jobs for not taking the vaccine, yet you've got the southern border of the USA who has an open border policy for the unvaccinated. If this doesn't show how politicized this is, I mean, you've got US, US citizens are losing their jobs because they're unvaccinated and they're just opening the border for all those to come in and they're not vaccinated. So look, if you're going to have a vaccination policy, it needs to be consistent with everyone. It needs to be a, a very consistent thing. Otherwise, you lose confidence. And I'm sure the Americans are really losing their shit. You know, if you got to, imagine being a police officer right now and you don't want to get the v- mandate for whatever reason. You don't believe in it. Um, you're not sure about it. You, you don't have confidence in the vaccine. Whatever the, the reason is. And then you've got illegal immigrants that are crossing the border. Open border policy. Here we go. That's crazy. This is the world we live in. Now, going back to my COVID experience, I mean... I was actually really, really exhausted. I was tired. I um, it is saying all this shit about you know natural immunity. I, I can call it both sides and say that it was definitely challenging. It was like a, having a really bad flu combined with gastro. And what I found was interesting was day one 
wasn't that bad. Day two wasn't that bad. It slowly got worse and day three wasn't that bad. And then day four was like, oh shit, I think I'm fucked. Now, what I found interesting was that when you do test positive, you're not given any recommendations by the government to take any type of medication, no anti-inflammatories, no nothing. Um, there's no discussion of vitamins and supplements of, or anything of that nature, anything to be sure, just your immune system in general. And we are told just to isolate for 14 days and that's it. We're good to go. So what I find very, very interesting and peculiar is that this is supposed to be a very, you know, this is supposed to be a pandemic. We're supposed to have a, a very deadly disease, yet you can recover in, this, in, in your own home. And most people do re- recover in their own home without any medication, without any recommendations of, of anything medicational supplementation. I really do feel if I was better prepared for this, and by the way, I'm not actually that cardiovascular fit, so I'm sure it probably would have affected me greater than it would with other people. So I don't do a lot of cardio. I'm not cardiovascular fit at all. And I still recovered, right? It took a little while to get back into the swing of things, but just like the flu, it's I would say it's very consistent with what the flu offers, but I would definitely, I, I would 100% say that it's a bit more severe than the flu. I, the What I felt um, how my body was and the recovery of everything. I felt weak after recovering from COVID. Um, right now, what am I now? I might be four. I think I'm like at four weeks post testing positive and I feel great. Absolutely feel great. All right. So I'm going to move on to the next question. Actually, you know what I'm going to do quickly. So Libby, my, um, my, my good client from New Zealand, won her IFB pro card. So shout out to Libby for getting it done. Very, very proud of you. And I think if Libby's got a very, very bright future, by the way. So this is the bikini podcast. This isn't the COVID podcast. You know, it kind of, it might be for an episode or at least a little bit of it, but big, big congratulations to Libby for getting it done. Biggest glutes in New Zealand, really good flow proportion, small waist, and just a very coachable athlete with the right attitude. So, you know, um, you're a legend. Just want to give you a quick shout out. And uh, I look forward to our pro debut. Now let's have a look at this. Questions, questions, questions. Did I ruin my reverse diet if I ate whatever for three days post-show, or can I go back to diet and be okay? You can go back to the diet and be okay, but the you need to make the decision now and go, okay, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to allow myself to lose discipline. It's, it's a personal choice to go, okay, cool. I've had my little meal or I've had my meals with my family, my friends. I've tried everything that I wanted to try. You know, do I want to get fat? Probably not. Do I want to stay in, in good shape post-comp and reverse diet and build a healthy metabolism? I would say most certainly so. Do it make the decision, commit and say, this is exactly what I want. And if you can't really keep yourself accountable, ensure that you have a coach in your reverse diet. If you're not with your contest prep coach, then I would suggest getting a coach or go back to your contest prep coach. Reverse diet, keep yourself accountable, be honest with your coach and let them help you. I I think that's probably the most important thing. So next question here is thoughts on all the deaths in the bodybuilding industry lately. Yeah, it's, look, it's terrible. I mean, First one comes to mind is the most recent, which is obviously Sean Roden. And wow. Yeah, just mind blowing. He and, and quickly, Sean was such a, a damn good dude. I mean, I think it was back in 2000, it might've been 2015 or 16 that I met him. And I was actually in the gym. This is in Melbourne, Victoria. And um, it was when he first released his, his long sleeve hoodies. And I bought a couple. And I remember when I bought a couple, he followed me on Instagram and we're having just a brief chat. And I was like, oh, this guy's really cool, whatever. Anyway, he was super friendly. I didn't expect that. And he followed me and I was I was obviously very excited about that. And he came to Melbourne for whatever reason. I can't recall what it was for. It might have been for an expo. And um, I was in the gym and he shouted out my name from as soon as he walked through the door. He's like, hey, Troy. And I thought, who the, who the fuck is that? And then I looked over and I thought, holy fuck, 
that's Sean motherfucking Roden. And I couldn't believe that he remembered my name just from following me on Instagram. You've come all the way over. And then the first thing he said was, I can't believe that you're wearing, you know, wearing my clothes. It's so cool to see this is the first time that I've seen, you know, anyone, um, anyone from overseas kind of wear it. And I thought, fuck, this is so cool. What a cool dude. So he had, he had a cool moment. I had a cool moment. He remembers people's names. Yeah. And in that moment, he definitely helped me feel special. I definitely felt special. I felt like a cool kid. And I was like, fuck, this guy's a legend. And obviously before then I was a fan. Even after that, I told so many people that story and I was saying how, how cool, how much of a nice guy Sean is and was. And um, yeah, like, I mean, that just showed, and you see a lot of people on Instagram land posting up all these really cool stories of Sean helping them. And, you know, they're amateurs and he was really, really being positive with everyone's experience saying, hey, listen, you're gonna get a pro card, you get a pro card. Yeah, you can do well as a pro. Hey, I'm supporting everyone. Like, what a cool dude, just straight up, what a straight up G. And uh, I loved his physique. He was, um, he was definitely the the reason why I stayed interested in modern bodybuilding, um, in modern day bodybuilding. I, I and Cedric McMillan to a certain extent, but I like Sean a bit better because Sean actually got in shape. And yeah, like when Sean stopped competing, I honestly stopped giving a fuck. Like straight up, real talk. I I still watched it, but I just didn't care. There wasn't the same level of interest because for me, Sean was. Mr. Olympia and he had Mr. Olympia attitude. He was nice to his fans like me at the end of the day, who the fuck am I uh, in comparison to him, right? Like he's the shit. Like he, he doesn't need to be kind and humble and, and courteous. He was a true gentleman. And that's very, that's very rare in, in a world of vanity. And I, I couldn't say much. I mean, what a good dude. Like, I don't know what to say, but with all the deaths that are going on, people need to be careful. I'm not sure exactly what the cause of these deaths are. I don't want to make speculation and and talk about other people, but bodybuilding is a tough sport. And I think more people need to take care of themselves, you know, ensure that they're bringing their stress down. And if anything's causing them their stress, they need to obviously work on that. I, I'm, a, I'm a big advocate of that. I think it's important for people, for example, to see a clinical psychologist if they need to. I've had discussion with a few of my clients that I've really recommended it because it does help. And it's something that I've been doing for, it wasn't now 12 months. And I'm like every day, I feel like not every day, but every week or very regularly, I feel like I'm improving and I've got a lot of work to do, but it definitely does a lot for your mental health. It does a lot for your confidence. It does a lot for your internal dialogue. So it's imp I think it's important to be as stress-free as possible and to make sure that you're moving forward in a positive way. So if stress is the cause of, of these things, it could be with Sean because he had a lot going on, but yeah, rest in peace. Uh, the next question, guys, is sumo squat good for booty gains? If you've got a good minor muscle connection, absolutely. It can be beneficial. I wouldn't say, uh, my personal preference if I was going to have a selection would be Smith Machine over Barbell, that's for sure. I think you can get a better minor muscle connection with it, but you know, would that be one of my favorite exercises? Absolutely not. But if it feels good for you, absolutely do it. So next question here is fat loading in peak week, super popular in you in the United Kingdom. Recently thoughts, would you trial it? No, I, I wouldn't trial it. I feel like, you know, with peak week, I like my current protocol. Um, every now and then I adjust it. There's certain things that I would change with different, different athletes, but I think that fat loading isn't really something that I need to do. I think if an athlete's full, they're full. Technically, you can fill out an athlete with fat loading, yes, but it's not something that I would like to personally try at this point in time. So the next question here is, 
Do you think tattoos have an effect on placings in the IFB amateur or pro? I think in the amateur ranks, it's not really a big deal, depending on the amount of tattoos that you have. I think in the pro ranks, if you go into Olympia and you're tatted up like crazy, and you know, would that affect your placing in the top 10? If it, if it definitely detracts from your physique, showing your conditioning, like if, for example, you've got tattoos on your glute, it's probably not going to be a positive thing. They may not be able to see the separation. If it's on your glute, hamstring, tie, whatever, if there's certain areas that tattoos aren't going to really help or benefit your physique. If something doesn't highlight your physique, then yes, obviously it's going to be a detriment. So tattoos, um, it, it would need to be talked about in context and in relation to the athlete that has them. But I do think it's possible that tattoos can have an effect on placings. Yes. It just depends on how many and the size, etc. All right. So I've got a, just a comment here. All the shade. Someone wants me to go get lit on this podcast. But, um, you know, give, trust me. Give me some real topics. Give me some things that are... Ask a question or ask or talk. Let me talk about a topic that is going to create a shitstorm, and I will. I'll give you my honest opinion. I'll keep it real. If you are on a meal plan, what? why does the sequence of the way you eat meals matter? A lot of people will say oh, calories in versus calories out. And, you know, is there is there going to be a difference between having one meal of 3,000 calories, if that's your metabolism, or spread, spreading that out and having five or six meals? I think five or six meals would be more efficient, most certainly. Um, there was some studies. Uh, someone sent me a study. Uh, was it? I'm not sure. It was recent. It might have been a couple months ago that it's very, very important to have a lot of your protein at the start of the day, aka don't fast. So that in itself apparently um, provided better protein synthesis benefits. So it's something that you could consider. Um, personally, I think it's it's good to eat consistently throughout the day rather than having a big, big, huge meal. I, I'm not an advocate of that at all. So next question here is peak week protocols. Honestly, that's like so complex. That is so complex. But what I would suggest, um, like when I say complex, there's so much to talk about. What I would say um, in a peak week is don't change a thing. Keep your sodium the same. Keep water intake in, you know, carb up, monitor your progress. Keep everything consistent. Don't do anything drastic. All right. So another question here is how are you feeling post-COVID? Has your views changed or stayed the same? So Probably need a little bit more context, but um, I would say that this is a very interesting time that we're living in. I do feel like a majority of people can recover from it. I do feel like that it's very, very possible that that people value, like fear is valued over freedom. Like initially when COVID hit, it's like, oh my God, I need to be safe. I would say, okay, hold on. Safety is valued over freedom. Because everyone's like, I need to be safe. I need to be safe. And the media spins this narrative that you need to be safe. You need to be safe. It's scary. But safety, it's probably safe is the best word. Whereas no one gives a fuck about freedom provided that they're safe or the illusion of safety. But is what we're going through currently what safety looks like? I had COVID. Would I be happy to get it again? Like who would want to wish, you know, who who would actually actively want to get sick again? But would I go through the same process and recover? Most likely, yeah. And if, if anything, I would, um, I, I've stocked up on certain supplements and medication where in the future, I'm most certainly going to recover a lot quicker if I happen to get it again. So um, again, we don't know what, what the, um, the antibodies, the, the life of the antibodies are post having COVID for someone that's not vaccinated. So uh, I'd love to look at that information if it's available, if anyone does have access to that information. 
please let me know. But I don't want to, I definitely don't want to be caught up in bro talk. If you have legitimate studies, please send it to me. Whether it's one way or another, I'm happy to read both sides. So I'm not someone that's firmly in my position that will dig my grave and be so sold on an opinion. I'm happy to change my opinion based on the evidence that is provided. All right. So next question is, if you're too shredded for bikini, but don't have the size in fitness, will conditioning be okay? So I'm assuming that this is a WBFF question. Uh, will conditioning, sorry, hold on. If you're too shredded for bikini, but don't have the size and fitness, will conditioning be okay? I think that you need to, if you're going to go in bikini, go in bikini and go, and be in the condition that's required for that criteria, right? If you want to do fitness, but you don't have the size, then perhaps you should have a off season to put on the size necessary to be competitive. If that's your goal, if you want to compete and enjoy yourself on stage and you don't care about winning, then compete in fitness and enjoy yourself. But you're going to get your ass kicked because you don't have the size. So whatever you compete in, listen to the criteria, like view, view the criteria, listen to your coach. And if your physique doesn't match the criteria, don't compete in a category that you're, that you're not going to do well in if the goal is to do well, which I'm assuming it is. Next question here is let's start an MMA podcast. You know what? We could, A, you and I could have some really killer discussions because all we do is watch MMA, like UFC. We don't watch. We don't just watch UFC. It's like if you're an MMA fan, you watch. P, you also check out the PFL. You also, you know, take consider. You take into consideration what goes on in other federations as well. All right. So, can you talk? Next question. Can you talk nutrition? Question mark. Bodybuilding versus prep and thoughts on protein, carb, fats for those phases. Protein, carbs, and fats needs to be. It's not like you have certain. I hate when people are like you need to have a forty percent, forty percent, and twenty percent macro distribution. Those are the retards. Yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. I I feel like anyone that has a firm opinion on things without sort of being flexible and and listening to the other side is ridiculous. So nothing is set in stone when it comes to nutrition. Things need to be adjusted based on your metabolism, based on the level of body fat, based on your activity levels, or so many different things. Right. And um, I also want to say actually quickly, I have to. I have to, right? People that keep saying that deadlifts don't activate your lower back and don't activate your core, as in there is no hypertrophy, like you're not going to grow, right? Your midsection at all isn't going to become more dense. It's, it's fucking ridiculous. Look at CrossFitters, yeah? They have very thick midsections. They develop very, very thick obliques. They develop a very thick lower back. When your lower back is undeveloped, when your midsection is undeveloped, it gives a very strong illusion of a smaller waist. Logic. Just like if you're thickening up your back, what happens? You get more width. Everything just gets better, right? So it's like the people that keep talking about that have honestly got the shittest fucking clients. They've got terrible shoulder-to-waist ratios and they're not going to get anywhere in the sport. And it's the same people. It's like, guys, I, I don't say this to be a prick. I don't say this to for any other reason but to help you. So there's some competitors that are like, thank fuck you're saying this. You know, squats and deadlifts aren't the best thing for a bikini girl. That's why the top Olympians don't fucking squat and deadlift, guys. They're not pulling PRs because they know it's fucking shit for their midsection. But you have some clowns in fucking Australia who think they know better, who haven't coached anybody worth a shit, who are like, you need to do a squat and deadlift. It's because squat and deadlifts are fun. It's because squat and deadlifts, uh, you know, you get motivated to lift heavy. I, I get it. But being motivated to lift heavy and having fun in the gym isn't and shouldn't be your sole priority if you want to be the best bikini athlete that you can be. If you want to be the best bikini athlete you can be, don't fucking squat and deadlift. Common sense. But no, you can do squats and deadlifts because it's not going to do nothing to your lower back. Okay, 
Who the fuck wants a thick lower back and bikini? There's been competitors that have had thick lower backs and bikini. They get marked down because they have shit taper from the rear. What the fuck is wrong with some of you? Like, it's, and you know what? It, it doesn't even, it, this is how I see it at this point in time. My position is so clear. I put the information out there. If you want to be stupid enough to squat and deadlift and you want to thicken up your lower back, for example, on purpose to, to really throw off this, the proportion and flow in your rear shot, then fucking do it. You're going to get beat by the girls that I work with because none of them do that shit. And, I'll, and look at the proportions. I mean, there are such there is such thing called genetic structure. There is such things as, you know, the people are, are born with a certain structure with a smaller shoulder waist ratio. The waist might be really really small. You might have someone that's got wide hips that's got a thicker waist just genetically structurally. But if you've got a shit waist genetically structurally, why would you make it worse by deadlifting a little hard out and thickening up your obliques? It's fucking retarded. That just blows my mind, right? That's just like throwing money away. Like you got cash in your hand and you're just like throwing it in the fucking air. It, it does nothing. Like, what are, you, what are you doing? You're actually losing, I would say. So, man, but guys, just do what you want. Say what you like. My girls are going to steamroll, you fucking idiots. And if you don't want to listen, that's cool. The smart ones will listen and they'll go, fuck. And I'll get messages saying, thank you for saying this, Troy. But then I get the dumbass haters that talk shit because they are so dug into their own narrative that they can't get out of the hole. They just keep digging. It's like, if you're wrong, why would you keep digging? It's just stupid. Just say, hey, listen, I was wrong. I fucked up. Or I've changed my opinion based on this, this, and this. And there have been people that I've seen on Instagram land, even pro bodybuilders without naming them, who have changed their opinion because they know better now. And they've gone through that experience. Guys, I was one of those fuckers. I was a, I was deadlifting and squatting my little fucking heart out. And it did thicken my obliques. It did thicken my lower back. It did, you know... It didn't enhance my V-taper. Deadlifting will not enhance your fucking V-taper. Okay. Next question. Now, I don't even know where I'm at. Here we go. Next question is an episode about changing federation requirements. So I, w- I would say that it's all about the criteria. So what is the federation? If you're, for example, doing bikini and ICN, it's like, all right, they want a softer look in comparison to the IFBB. They want a small look in comparison to the IFBB. The closest category in ICN that is like the IFA bikini would be ICN fitness. It is not the same, but it's the closest. So if you were an ICN competitor and you're in a bikini and you want to step up to the IFBB, you could potentially go to ICN fitness before going to the IFBB. It just really depends on what you want. But I will say this, if you want to step up to the big game, you want to play with the big dogs and you would like to have stronger competition, that's going to scare you. That's going to push you harder in the gym, do the IFBB. There's nothing wrong with doing ICN. There's nothing wrong with doing any federation. I think all bodybuilding is fun and exciting and cool. I do have my preferences with judging criteria. I do have my preference with the competitiveness and vibe. All federations have their pros and cons with judges, with the people backstage, with whatever. Do what you want to do. At the end of the day, if you want to switch from IFBB and you want to go back to ICN, provided that you're a natural, absolutely do that because it suits you. I'm not going to hate on you for choosing what you want to do, but... Be real to yourself. If you want to do WBFF, go do WBFF. Absolutely. The three most important ways to develop and maintain a strong mindset during prep. Goal setting. Uh, you know what? Yeah, goal setting is number one, right? Number two is get a coach that's on the same page. Get a coach that is, you know what? That's that's probably number one. Number one is get a coach that really is going to push you, that's going to challenge you, that's going to want you to fucking win. That wants to win he, him or herself. Get a competitive motherfucker, 
right? Get people, get, get a coach that has got that experience and it doesn't have to be in bikini. It could be in, you know, figure. It could be in, you know, men's physique, whatever, whatever criteria, you know, like whatever sort of category you're competing in and whatever the criteria is, get someone that specializes in that and someone that actually has a passion for it, right? And that's going to help lift your game up. And I've had discussions with people and, you know, they, they're either switched on by the coach or they're not. And when I do see ladies that go through a contest prep, they say, you know, oh, I didn't feel supported. I didn't, you know, half that is also internal dialogue. So it's important to have that coached, but it's also important to have that goal. And for you as a, an athlete to be switched on mentally and going, I'm getting the fuck after it. I'm pushing myself. Sure. I need a good coach. Yes, I want to be supported. Yes, I want to have that chat and pep talk, but I'm going to have that pep talk with my motherfucking self. I'm going to have that pep talk to me. And I'm going to say that I'm getting the fuck after. I'm saying that I'm responsible for what the fuck happens. I'm going to pose. I'm going to train hard. I'm going to do the cardio. I'm going to fucking make it rain. A good coach will push you. A good coach will keep you accountable and will understand the criteria and really take you to to another level. And that's what I do with my girls. And I think that's the third, the third, 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 third. If you're, if you feel like you're, you're not exactly where you need to be, get a clinical psychologist. It will level your game up. I thought, for example, my mindset was strong uh, before seeing one. It was with certain things and other things I was very mentally weak. And now I would say that I'm very, very strong on a lot of different things that I was very, very, very extremely weak on. So things change only if you put the work in. So it's like my mindset, for example, has changed based on the work that I put in with the psychologist, right? Your physique is changing based on the the time and effort that you put in to the gym, into your training, into your nutrition, right? So if you focus on your mindset and you're training your mindset and if, if seeing a clinical psychologist does that, then fuck yeah. Very, very important. I also think it's important to get rid of the energy drainers in your life, people that aren't ambitious, people that aren't inspiring you, people that don't support you. Fuck that. You know, if someone... If, if someone has limiting beliefs, oh, you can't do this, you can't win an overall, you, oh, your coach sucks, or oh, your posing coach sucks, it's, it's kind of different if they're saying the truth, like there are a lot of shit posing coaches out there, and there are people that think they're good, but they're really not, and there's levels, right, there's levels to coaching, there's levels to posing coaching, there's levels to everything, and I think the main thing, the mindset that everyone fucking needs is I need to be better, I will be better, I want to be better, I'm going to learn more, and that's what I try to do with myself. Some things I'm like, shit, I had no idea what the fuck I was doing back then. And now I'm like, oh yeah, I can see the light now. I know exactly what I did wrong. There's some self-awareness going on. And that can be applied with anything. But I just feel like people need to be hungry. You need to be hungry for, for more. You want to learn more. You want to be more. And you want to feel good about yourself. So internal dialogue, seeing a cl- clinical psychologist, just fucking building some momentum, getting rid of assholes in your life. This is more than three, but just get the fuck after it. Yeah. And just take action. Stop being a fucking poof. Take action. Next question is where have where have you got all your knowledge from? Okay, um, I would say communication. I would say listening, observing. You know, and anecdotal evidence is really important. Asking questions from clients, asking people from uh, asking questions from people that have been in the industry for a while, learning from other people's mistakes. That was probably the best thing that I did. I was like, why does this chick sound like a fucking tranny? And I'm like, oh, okay. Is because they've they've had this this and this, and some people are really really cool and go, hey, listen, this is what I did wrong. Make sure that you don't have any of your girls do this this and this, right? And I'm just like, oh wow, thank you for that information. You know, when I'm first starting out, it's like, oh, you you prep your first natural competitor, and you're like, sweet, and then you're like, oh, what do I do about drugs? I have no fucking idea. Okay, I'm going to start doing some research, and 
I want to ensure that I keep ladies feminine because I saw all these ladies that have bad side effects and it's like, nah, I don't want to, I don't want to be a part of that shit. And I needed to educate myself on what was appropriate or what was going to minimize the risk of that. And I was like, all right, I need, I need to collect this information. So you ask questions, you go to people and say, all right, what is, what are some of the things, what are some of the drugs, for example, that you've seen that have fucked up females? Boom, 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 boom. Then you learn not what to do. And you're like, okay, cool. I'm not going to fucking touch that shit. And then you'll talk to someone else and they'll have a difference of opinion. And you're like, oh, hold on. They're saying that this one's okay, but I'm, but one other person had a bad experience. I'm going to put a, just a, you know, an exclamation mark on that, like a question mark, I should say, and go, I need to investigate that further. Collecting information is so important. I think there also needs to be a passion for it and you need to study it. So for me, I just study everything as much as possible. I learned from some really good coaches in the beginning um, when I was acquiring information. Um, Just, you got to be a sponge and it's also okay to be a sponge with shit coaches. It's also okay to be a sponge with people that don't know what the fuck they're talking about because you will pick up on that and go, hmm, that doesn't make any logical sense. I'm going to question that. I'm going to challenge that. And you know what? You might come back and say, you know what? My challenge was wrong. This person was right. And that's cool. And and you can learn from it. So I think it's important to challenge yourself to collect information. That's what I try to do. So if you would like to be educated on you know bodybuilding or bikini, put yourself out there. Be willing to have a discussion. Be willing to be wrong. And be willing to collect information, study YouTube, watch, you know, watch posing and, and, and talk to people that know what they're doing. There are people that to this day that still teach me things, right? I truly believe that, well, the proof's in the pudding. I've got the most bikini pro cards in Australia. I probably, I don't even know who, what, what coach has got the most pro cards in Australia, period. But I, if I would say that I'd have to be pretty close and that's just in bikini alone. So I mean, I've got to do something, doing something right, but I still learn. I still learn from people. I mean, I have discussions, for example, with Renee and her and I bounce ideas off each other. And I learn from Renee because she's an expert in what she does in her craft. I have conversations with clients and, you know, I, I learned something from them. I'm like, okay, you know, there's a certain way to approach this client. There's a certain exercise in the gym. I talk to my girls all the time. And I, I collect information from them and I figure out what exercises suck, what feels good, what doesn't, try out different tempos, or just do different things. So I learn a lot from making mistakes as well. And you gotta if you're like a coach or you're starting out as an athlete, be willing to make mistakes, be willing to try new things. That's what I like to do. I, I do tests on different people. If they say I say, Hey, listen, I wanna try something out on you, is that cool? And I only really do it with my experience skills because they have a strong mind and muscle connection, they understand um, you know, what I like in terms of training and form. So I can try cool programs out on them. And I say, hey, listen, this is something completely new. Um, can you try, do you wanna try something out? And they go, yep, boom. And then they do it. So um, connect with people that know more than you and connect with people that are passionate, connect with people that are gonna push you and that are like-minded that want the same thing as you. If it's easy for me now at this point in time, but in the beginning when I started, I had to, I had to inspire myself, I had to get motivated myself. But because I had this attitude, I attracted like-minded individuals that wanted pro cards, that want to train hard in bikini, that want to be good posing coaches, right? This is what happened. So put yourself out there, take fucking action and get the fuck after it. All right. This is like, I feel like I'm ranting now. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Next question is how to best manage family friends who do not appreciate support competing lifestyle. Like straight up, um, go fuck themselves, right? Go fuck themselves. 
I think if you have a healthy self-esteem, and this is nothing, this is not putting anyone down, right? Because I used to have low self-esteem. And I, I think that it's it's important to please yourself. If you're doing an action, if you're doing a job, if you're doing you know, a sport, if you're competing or you're doing something in life for the validation of others, you're not truly living. You're doing what they fucking want. It's like when your parents are like, oh, you need to go to law school. You need to go to law school. And you have this pressure to go to law school. And it's like, but is that really what you want? And if you choose not to go to law school and you just want to be a, a nurse, what the fuck's wrong with being a nurse, right? What, you're disappointing your parents? It's not their fucking life. You shouldn't need to. It's not required for you to please anybody else besides yourself because it's truly what you want to do. So if someone doesn't support you, they probably don't have the emotional intelligence. They don't probably have the desire. They don't have the understanding, the comprehension to be a part of your life anyway. They're not going to be of any value in my opinion. So go fuck themselves for anyone that doesn't support what you want to do, provided what you want to do isn't hurting you and it's something positive. And I would say bikini definitely teaches some really good lessons in life. It teaches you build momentum. There's a lot of discipline involved. It's keeping you healthy in the gym for the most part. Obviously, a contest prep getting to low body fat levels is a little bit challenging. I would say that there are upsides and there are downsides to it. But for the most part, it's a very positive, very, very disciplined sport. And if you're putting time and effort into something that is is definitely benefiting your mindset. And if you can take that mindset and to take it into other areas of your life, into your personal relationships, into your business, you're going to fucking crush it. Imagine doing a, imagine creating a business and being a business owner and going 10 out of 10 all in like you would in a contest prep, but in your business. And where did you learn that from? From fucking competing. So is competing that bad for you? Mm, probably not. But what is what is more important is what you think, not what someone else thinks. So someone's not supportive and provided it's not damaging you, provided that your mental health's in check and they and they're not really trying to if, if they're not if they're just being assholes about it, they can go fuck themselves. And probably most of the time they've got low self-esteem themselves and they're not achieving anything, so they've got to pick apart what you're doing. Grow up, get a fucking life, fuck off. That's what I'd say to those people. Um next question. Average, rec- this is going to be good. I don't even need to edit this podcast. Average recommended carb intake if training glutes, hams three times per week. It's different for everyone. It's like, how long is a piece of string? What does your metabolism look like? How many steps are you doing throughout the day? Right? Everybody is different. That's why I say get a coach. You know, don't play the guessing game. Have someone that's going to look at the information and make those decisions for you. Someone with experience. And it doesn't have to be me. I'm not saying, hey guys, you know, come, come join the team. If you, I want people to come organically, the people that want to get after it. If you want a fucking pro card, I actually will say, come join the team. I will, I will make it fucking rain. Um, I was actually talking to Madison, who's my manager uh, today. And I said, you know, I've got a fucking pro card and bikini every year since I started uh, coaching. Since 2018 pro card, 2019 pro card, 2020 pro card, 2021 pro card. The only coach in Australia to have multiple bikini pro cards and to have pro cards in every fucking year since he started coaching. Like guys, if you want a pro card, you want to take it seriously, trust me, I'll get you there. But you got to be put you got to be willing to put the work in because I have a lot of killers on the team that are ready to get the fuck after it and not just ready, there are a lot of killers that are getting the fuck after it. There's a difference between being ready and I'm getting after it. And um, I welcome I welcome healthy competition. I, I it's not just about the killers on my team. I really want bikini to do well. In Australia, I'd love to see um, athletes on other teams do well too, because it's only going to make the sport better. It's only going to level up the the pros in the long run. 
uh, the Australian professionals, and I do think we're going to have a lot of Australian professionals go, go to the Olympia. On the team alone, for my team, when I'm talking about this, is I, I see people that are going to Olympia. I know that they are. They're so disciplined. There's levels. And I understand that there's levels in bikini. When you go to that next, next level, like I see automatically, I just, I see a check-in. I know exactly what the fuck's going down. I'm like, this person's going to be an Olympian. You know, even before they're even pro, I've got ladies in the team that aren't pros yet that I know are going to be Olympians. Like just straight up. I just like, they've got the work ethic. They've got the, uh, the dedication. They have the structure. They've got the mindset. And all they need is that fucking push. Need someone to believe in them. Go, yep, yeah, you're going to make it. And that's what I do. I, I, I um, I'm addicted to this shit. I love bikini. Um, I kind of, like I said, <laughs> bodybuilding, not so much anymore. Bikini is my new bodybuilding. You know, back in the day when I used to love bodybuilding, it, it honestly, as soon as Sean got banned from competing at the Olympia, it died for me. Like I, I was really enjoying bikini at that point in time anyway, but that, that was the point where I was like, what the fuck? Bodybuilding is shit. And, uh, and Phil Heath started sort of, you know, I was, I was a fan of Phil Heath and I love to hate him and he started going down the shithole and I was like, you know what, Sean and Phil like is, are gone. Are you serious? Like, fuck. Anyway, that's another story. But next question, if I want to compete in August, when should I start with you? Uh, depends on your physique. I would say that if you need to put on size, it's always good. It's a good idea to come on board so I can build your metabolism to fix your form, to ensure you're putting size in the right areas. I can look at your physique and make sure that you're doing a program that's going to bring up your weak body parts. Very, very, very important. And we'll get after it. So I would say send me a message and we can have a discussion about what you want to do long-term. So it's not about, ah, oh, I want to compete in August. It's like, okay, what is your long-term goal? I want to know where you want to go with this. I want to know how serious you are. And everyone has a different position. Some people just want to win a you know, a state show or a national level event. And they don't, they're cool to not get a pro card. They just want to be competitive. And that's cool. If you want to, if, if you take your shit seriously, join the team. I, I take my shit seriously. That, that's what I'd say. Anyway, guys, I think that'll do it. I will do another, one of these episodes, I'm sure in the very near future, question and answers. I, I definitely want to do these podcasts more regularly. So, you know, maybe once a week, mm, Definitely once every fortnight, once every two weeks, I'll, I'll definitely be able to do that. And I actually really enjoy this um, when I'm in the zone, but I'm definitely going to probably uh, have some guests on. But guys, if you like this shit, share it. Let me know if you want more episodes. Let me know topics, questions. If you want me to say some crazy shit, ask me some crazy questions that are going to require a crazy ass answer. Authenticity is the name of the game for me. I will always keep it real. I always give you my honest, unfiltered opinion. And I really want to want Australian bikini to be like this shit. Like I, I truly believe that bikini in Australia can be that. Oh, wow. Oh my God. It's those fucking Australians. I want it to be that category. So let's make it happen. Anyway, guys, I'm out of here. Thank you for listening and peace.